doing a bit of a pre-show. Not as long as the last pre-show, but it's still before the show. It's a little bit of time, so it's pre-show. Show. The pre-show show, we'll call it. Man, what a week. I'm going to be talking about this in more... I got like a hair on my eyelash or something. Right in my vision. I can't figure it out. Um, hell of a week I'm going to get into here in a second. But I wanted to start the pre-show by uh, me being embarrassed. Not like last time. The last pre-show was a nightmare of a pre-show. This is going to drive me insane. Does this happen to you guys too? Make a wish. So I saw the footage from the 20th celebration um, of uh, the high priest. You know, everyone presenting uh, the gong to him and everything. And I was tasked the night before with basically manning the camera and it was not my equipment. I did not, you know, set anything up. I didn't know where people were going to be standing or anything. So what ended up happening was me holding the mount of the camera, basically trying to direct it while I'm looking back at the screen in order to see what the camera's seeing, right? So it's this weird sort of juggling balance thing of, of going back and forth with one hand and trying to mute and unmute and direct and everything. It is the worst, the worst footage I've ever created for anything. And I didn't create it. I just sort of manned it as it were. And I'm wildly embarrassed by it. It was, it was terrible. If I had, if I, if I had my faculties about me, meaning I had preparation and I could bring my own equipment and stuff. I would have live streamed it on a tripod with an external mic and had everything all set up, you know, with a windscreen on the mic. It would have been amazing. But instead, it wasn't. And, you know, you make do with what you got and, you know, those stupid sayings and everything. But it doesn't, it doesn't ignore the fact that I was the person holding the camera and the footage looked bad. So bad, in fact... <laughs> you know, you know, it's serious whenever someone does like the pointing to shake hand point to the ceiling so bad. In fact, that more uh, cell phone footage was used than the actual camera that I was holding. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Just little things like this humble me <laughs> in every aspect of my life. It can never just be right. Nothing can ever just be done right. You know what I mean? Like, whenever I'm involved, there's always something that's going to be a little off. I guess maybe that just means it's me. <laughs> that is the off thing. And I can accept that. I accept that. Doesn't change the fact that I feel like shit because of it. Fuck. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, Mike, good to see you, man. For those of you who don't know, Mike is actually going to be hooking me up with some ammo, some rounds, and shells. Super stoked about that. We're going to uh, meet up. We're in the desert. No holes will be dug. And we will set up a temporary range. And we will get our <laughs> firing on. It'll be a good time. Have a couple other Satanists there. A couple throw pillows. A TV news reporter. What do you think? Sorry, TMNT reference there. All right, uh, Gary, good to see you. Thanks for joining live in the pre-show. Zachary, always great to see you, man. Uh, Valeria, how are you, my dear? 
It's always great to see you here. Dandelion Bodies. God damn, that's a great name. I came up with that name. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah, so that's all I had for the pre-show was actually just me bitching about footage that I had something to do with. It's terrible. It's funny when you run across people, and this has nothing to do with that situation, but I ran into this um, in similar situations with someone else where they don't know my background of what I've been doing for the last decade. So they have no idea about the technology that I use or how I stream or what is required or anything like that. They just know that they do it. And so they're going to tell me how to do it, which I, you know, I always quietly sit and like smile and nod my head and say, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I understand how you're doing it. And then they explain how much it costs them to do it the way they're doing, which in my humble opinion is subpar. Uh, and it costs them so much money, so much money compared to what I'm spending to stream this and host the audio files after the fact and all my hosting services and stuff for my multitude of projects. It blows my mind that people are willing to drop that kind of dime on something when it's totally unnecessary. If you just did a little bit more research, asked a few other people, you could probably save a significant sum. But they don't. So what are you going to do? William, how you doing? Uh, good. I'm glad you enjoy. I just want to get on cam because I'm just sitting here otherwise. I just finished dinner my wife made, and that's going to be my opening, my cold open for the show. So I can't mention that yet, but it was good. Uh, Matt B, how you doing? Thanks for joining live, man. Sorry, I'm like batting at, there's like little fuzzies, like floating around. Either I'm in completely lost my mind, which is possible. Or there's a lot of just sort of floating dog hairs and dust that I am catching because of these two bright lights that are shining on me right now. You know, the light is reflecting off these little particles that you would normally would not see, which <laughs> makes me feel like I'm insane because I'm batting at them, trying to get them out of my face. You snicker them as they go by. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just start the show. Let's have some fun. Let's do this. I need to add one more item to the list of things that my wife is better at me at. Better than me at? That doesn't sound right. Either way, there's a list. She's better than me. Making barbecue chicken is one of them. So let me write that on there. There's not much that I can do better than her. And I guess that's okay. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of Armand world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is May the 16th, and I have a great show for you this week. That's right, I'm the Devil's Advocate. I'm going to ask you a question. What is your endgame? And I'm going to require an answer, so start thinking. 
In the Infernal Informant, Vietnam vets killed during secret Pacific mission get main memorial nearly 60 years later. And Space Force Commander fired after comments made on conservative podcast. This sounds like it's a setup for a joke, but it's actually a real thing that happened. So we'll get into that. Um, here's a tease. It's a bad joke. Space Force, that is. Uh, in the creature feature, I'm going to talk about national parks. Maybe because I just went to one. Or maybe it's because I just genuinely appreciate them because nearly every year we go and see a new one and they're magnificent. So we're going to get into it. But before I do, before we get into it, Wes, great to see you. It was barbecue chicken with red beans and rice and steamed broccoli. Perfect. It was delicious. It was amazing. Uh, not portobello burgers. <laughs> we can make those. <laughs> It'll be good. I don't know about portobello, but you know, you catch, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, let's see. Jason, good to see you. It is a great sinful Sunday. Nice. Thanks for joining live. Appreciate you. Lady Marie, it's so great that you finally are off so you can join us for the party, the party. Uh, you know, mingle amongst yourselves, get a drink over the bar over there, and, uh, you know, sit you took us on a cushion and enjoy yourself. Uh, let's see, Ashworth, great to see you. Thanks for joining live. Right, and during the course of this conversation, if you have any questions or comments, throw them up there. Chat amongst yourselves, bring it up to my attention, and we'll get into it. It'll be fun. Good times, all. And that's really the point of all this. It's just us having a good time on a Sunday evening, right? Yeah. So let's do that. So I went to Yellowstone. Oh, let me tell you about this week. Okay. Let me <laughs> reverse. So um, I have, I'm going on vacation, which was this past week. And uh, so, you know, you have to get all your work stuff done. And then they pile on stuff at the end. You get all that stuff done. And you're all sort of full of anxiety because, you know, as much as we think we're moving past it, COVID is still an actual thing. And I know that if I'm going to go to a national park, there's going to be tons of other humans there. And there's going to be a percentage of them that probably have this virus. Just statistically, it's a thing. And so um, when I first booked my room, we were planning on staying at the Old Faithful Inn, which was like recently remodeled in the wing that we were going to be going into or something like that. They booked us and everything, and a couple weeks ago, they decided to um, not open it as expected this past weekend, but rather in a couple weeks. And so they rebooked me over at the Mammoth Hot Springs Inn, which in my head means, oh, I'm just down the street to the left. The reality is, is it tax on another hour and a half of driving for me to get to our hotel before we can start seeing the sights? And so in my head, I'm like, oh, it's like a four and a half hour drive to get to our hotel. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it turns into like a six and a half hour drive, which is a lot more and still a little bit frustrating. And so we didn't take my Tesla because we thought it would be a pain to charge, you know, take extra time to charge rather than just filling up gas and everything. Um, not knowing how long it would take us um, to charge and the availability of chargers. Um, had the same concern about gas, but it's easier to, you know, walk down the streets to a gas station with a gas can and come back and move on than it is with a cable. <laughs> and just start walking, hoping that you don't run out of length, you know, to find an outlet or something. So that being said, um, you guys better not be getting drop frames because I'm showing an excellent... Oh my gosh. I just got a drop frame. 
what the hell is going on? I just resolved this the other day. Unflippin' believable. All right, people, I don't know what's going on, and I apologize for the drop frames. Um, I'm going to keep going, so hopefully it doesn't affect the show that much. It's so frustrating. Okay, that being said, maybe I should start listening to those people who are telling me that they're spending tons of money on different streaming options, because then I wouldn't have these drop frame rate problems. Um, so uh, we decided to take my wife's car, which is a gas car. We end up getting up there only needing to stop once to refill, and we didn't even really need to refill there. Um, but as soon as we get into the park... Tons of Teslas everywhere. Everywhere there's a Tesla. So I'm just kicking myself because my car is infinitely more comfortable of a ride than my wife's. And it's mine, you know? I could just set it on autopilot and it would go about and just do its own thing and not have to worry about it. This is so aggravating, this whole drop frame rate thing. Um, it's just the video? All right, honey. So... Um, we're in her car and we end up getting there and we, we're stopping by sites on the way. What we didn't plan on was that we would have our second Moderna COVID-19 vaccination shot the night before. So the day before we go and get our shot and I start panicking a little bit because I don't know what to expect. I'm thinking that, you know, there's going to be some sort of issue. What ends up happening is that night it feels like I just come down with the biggest flu of my life, have fever dreams and sweating through blankets. My wife is frozen and ends up moving on the front couch to drop tons of blankets on her. And we're just miserable, achy, joint pain, muscle pain, bone pain. Every, it was just horrible. And then we have a six and a half hour drive ahead of us. So yeah, it was a wonderful experience to go through right before vacation. But that's how we... Uh, that's how we roll. This <laughs> started off the worst possible way. And the truth is it ended on a, a wonderful high note because we just had a great time driving around and seeing live, uh, you know, wild animals and the beautiful environment and everything. If you've never been to Yellowstone, you really should. And I'll get into all that later. But it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. Um, that second Moderna shot, though, holy sweet hell. Sweet hell. Painful. It, oh, God, that, that, those fever dreams, I tell you, I did end up having this fever dream about a, a video I needed to make, which is really funny. So I ended up, I mean, the dream wasn't funny. It's just funny that it took a fever dream for me to have this idea about the video. So I made it and, and put it out and everything, but really weird that it takes crazy fever dreams to inspire me to do something. <laughs> just the weirdness of Adam, apparently. So if you haven't gotten your shots yet, I'm not a zombie yet. <laughs> so it's probably pretty safe. <laughs> the majority, actually, no, that's not even true. Um, I think the majority of the population, of the adult population have had the first shot, I think is the latest statistics. I, I could be off about that. But a lot of us have gotten the first. And then, you know, of that, I think half of those majority have gotten their second shots already. So a lot of the population is already vaccinated, which is a good thing, but we need everyone or at least i think it's like nine tenths or something like that so that we can have herd immunity we have family members that aren't going to get it and you know every individual has their own reasons for doing it or not doing it and you know respect whatever you're going to do that's on you um personally i prefer not having to worry about wearing a mask or anything so i won't and it'll be great 
another side note. This is driving me mad because I just ran a test the other day. I ran a no, another show, my Star Wars show, the following day with no drop frame rates. Everything was perfect and fine. And then I come back today and it's the same problem that I was having last week. I think Zachary might be onto something. There's something else. There's something afoot here. <laughs> this is a weird saying, right? There's something afoot. Like, where did Sherlock pick that up? This guy. All right. You did the J&J &J a couple months ago. It whooped your ass. Oh, yeah, but that's only one. We had to do two. I only got my ass whooped on one of them. But so, you know, we're still even. <laughs> but good good that you got vaccinated. Uh, what's up, Mother Trucker? <laughs> the Great Beast 666. Mason Damien Blackthorn the third. I just added that last bit in, but everything else is there. Could you come up with any other names? Any other pseudonym tack-ons like Lord of the Underworld or like, come on, man. You can't steal all of the pseudonym names in one name. You got to save some for the rest of us. All right. Great Beast. Okay, you get that. But Mason, Damien, Blackthorn, that's like three great names that should be just divvied up between three different people. Don't be, don't be greedy. What are you doing? All right, let's do a little devil's advocate. I haven't even been drinking yet. I feel punch drunk already. Here's what I'm going to do. Here is what I am going to do. I'm going to drop my frame rate and see if that helps. Because I might be trying to stream too quickly. Fingers crossed here, people. <laughs> and now it's like, you're not streaming fast enough. Oh my gosh. What is happening? This is, this is going to drive me insane. There we go. Okay, that should help. That being said, uh, what is your end game? I, my wife and I were watching um, this animated series last night, and it was just a bunch of little shorts that kind of reminded me of Heavy Metal, if you ever watched that film uh, back in the day. And it was um, this future where this guy was going, you know, like, executing unregistered births and stuff like that. It was really kind of crazy, but it made me just stop and think like I had to like grab my phone and, and take a note. And it was like, um, what is your end game? Why are you doing what you do in life? Are, is everything that you're doing for some end result in your mind? Or are you just sort of chasing the next fix, whatever that fix may be, right? The next weekend, the next vacation, the next whatever. Um, do you have a plan that you're moving toward that the actions you take in life are then leading up to? And I think it's an interesting conversation because we have this sort of micro and macro level of, of our visions of the future, right? Like, for example, last year in COVID, there was no vision of the future. All of my plans were put on hold because I didn't know what was going to happen 
because again, we were told that it was almost like the end of the world type situation. And when people started hoarding um, guns and ammunition and toilet paper, it kind of felt like it was for a while. And arguably, regionally, across the world, it still does. So you got to wonder, right? You got to wonder. Hey, Silly, thanks for joining, even if it's only for a little bit. Great to see you. Um, and so I, I asked myself, what is my end game? And I'm going to get to that in a second. But before that, I'm going to ask you, what is your end game? What is it that you are working toward? And are your actions in life leading toward that? So when you make choices in life, when you take ownership of your life, the responsibility over yourself, what is it that you're directing yourself to? Do you have a career end goal in mind? Do you have a, a familial or, or human connection end goal, like a relationship or something? Uh, do you just want to be a parent and pass that on? Or do you want to just spend your days taking care of animals and plants or, and not really focusing on what is next to come? Are you focused on the here and now and not concerning yourself about the future? Or are you financially planning for a retirement so that you can then enjoy the here and now while you degrade until death, ultimately? Because let's be honest, we're all human animals that have a finite time on this planet. <laughs> um, are you so self-destructive as to not even care about the end that you're working toward? And this is something that I, I'm not trying to pass judgment on anything. Whatever you, you know, however you're living your life, you know, that's on you. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. But we should be living life with intention, right? We should be moving through life with some sort of drive, and what that drive is, is going to be different by the individual. It's going to be informed partially by your culture and your society and your individual choices. But ultimately, it rests on your shoulders what your point of life is. And I don't know that we ever really question. At least, anecdotally, I don't often question, and is what I am doing in this moment allowing me to reach whatever end game I've set up for myself in my mind. Now, end game is not going to be your individual goals. Those are going to be sort of short or long-term milestones, as it were. But my personal end game is honestly some form of a retirement. And so we're putting money away in um, uh, um, investments and stuff like that, in savings, so that we can ultimately retire because it doesn't seem like social security is going to be around when it comes time for me to retire. But we have a plan in place. And so everything I do is ultimately leading to that professionally. But what about my personal engagements, the choices that I'm making? Is that going to be disrupted as, as every choice you make sort of ripples out as throwing a rock in a pond of your life you know, ultimately catches up with where you're going. That ripple spreads out. How does your end game, here's another one, how does your end game affect those around you? Not saying that you should worry about that or that it should be a concern, but just as a thought experiment. Is what you are planning in life going to affect others positively or negatively? Now, again, for this example, my wife and I, our end game is that we are going to be retiring together. So whatever I do for that end is the same as what she is going to be doing. And, and 
ultimately together we'll be skipping through fields of flowers or something. I don't know, I don't know what retirement looks like. Maybe we'll be laying in bed like Charlie's in the chocolate factory's grandparents, you know, head to foot. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> Depends on how nice my kids are to us, I guess. Um, I hope I don't have to go into old folks' home, though. I got, I'm out of, just stepping out of it really quick. They get abused in those places really badly. I mean, just, just terribly. Okay. Um, and then when should you care if your end game affects other people? And of course, as Satanists, it should only matter to you at all if you care about that person. If you choose to have some sort of connection to that other human, then it benefits you to care because you've made that conscious decision. But simply because you, you know, affect other people, it doesn't matter to you. It shouldn't matter to you anyway. You're, you're living your life. You're not living their life, right? Um, and it's not like there's a finite amount of cookies that you're trying to scoop into one basket and, you know, screwing everyone else. Toilet paper, on the other hand, and rounds of ammunition, you're screwing other people. <laughs> Keep that in mind. We've got to wipe our asses. But um, cookies, not a big deal. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, and then the concept of an end game and whether or not your end game affects others positively or negatively, uh, can a Satanist use that to their benefit? Right? If there's opportunities to invest and you're able and willing, well, that could end up benefiting you over other people that don't then have that opportunity. Um, that's you taking advantage of an opportunity that may not be available to others. Uh, maybe it's keeping your eye on real estate and purchasing a, a, a home in a, a lower income bracket area that you then won't have so much financial burden put on your shoulders when you're less able to take care of it. Is your end game not even focused on being a, a retired human adult, but rather just reaching a pinnacle and then who gives a damn what happens next maybe you, you want to become a titan of industry and then it doesn't matter at that point to you what your end game is because you've never considered anything beyond that goal in mind that was your end game i think there's a bit of short-sightedness when your end game does not extend to your anticipated end of life because then what you're doing is placing the burden on those around you. So if you haven't put together a will, like I haven't, or planned on how you're going to be disposed of, uh, you know, after you shake loose this mortal coil, then ultimately you're putting that burden on those that you potentially love and care about. Uh, so maybe you should be thinking about that as an endgame as well. So... I, just, I thought it was interesting because there, it, there was this moment where this guy was, you know, sort of pointing the barrel of a gun at a child who he was supposed to execute, and he saw the child acting as a child, and he made this decision not to kill it and instead walk away. And it ended up costing him his life, but the truth is, is that was a decision that was not in his endgame at all. It was a disruption because what he didn't realize, he wasn't being true to who he was. He was doing what he thought he should do based on how he was professionally uh, sort of set up. But it wasn't a personal choice. And the sooner you can get on this personal choice, taking responsibility for your own actions bandwagon that we as Satanists should all be on, we take responsibility for our actions. As soon as you can get on that, 
then every decision you make therein is a decision that's going to lead to whatever your end game is, right? Live deliciously, help with grandbabies one day. Not yet though. <laughs> Financially independent, enjoy life with your husband. That sounds great, Lady Marie. That sounds great. Uh, you're in the process of getting things done to uh, move the family and your business up to Arkansas, aka Arkansas. That's great. Um, do well thou wilt, then do nothing else. I'm not sure that's an exact quote, <laughs> uh, Anton, but uh, all right. You're saving up for property on Mars. I don't know if you're serious or not, but I'm sure it's a thing. So good on you. Uh, die broken on drugs, Crowley. <laughs> yeah, James, that was more like it. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. A quote from Cheryl Crow. Uh, he worked in them before and it was treatment they received is horrible. Oh, the, the old folks home. Yeah. Design your own personal life program and stick to it. Yeah. Well, and this is this is the side of, of life as an adult that you never really consider when you're a young, uh, when, when you're a child, child teenager or a young adult. You never consider where you're going to end up. And the... The irony of that is the sooner you consider it, the better off you're going to be in the end. But you feel indestructible as a young individual. And so you don't think you should worry about it until later. I'll, I'll do that later when, you know, when, I'm, when I'm unable to do everything that you're doing now. But you won't be able to afford it later if you wait until then, is the uh, cold hard truth. Alaska, that's a good choice. We're thinking Montana, my family. Uh, just getting some property in the wilderness and just sort of trying to subsist, you know, off the land. Uh, if you tell people your goals, you won't achieve them as a reality. What's the feeling on that? Because you're leaking mental energy instead of using it. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like we have this finite amount of mental energy that if, if that, that's something that I, I hate to bring him up again, but that's why Trump didn't exercise. He claimed that you had a finite amount of energy as a person and he didn't want to waste it on exercise. He would rather waste it on, you know, doing whatever else he does, which is the most absurd thing to think. It's just so ridiculous and so insane that of course he thinks that, of course. So yeah, that, that's what that reminded me of. There's a finite amount of mental thinking that can be done. So you're wasting it if you say it out loud. That's like saying a birthday wish before you blow out candles. Give me a break. No, that's ridiculous. Um, I like the statement, Lazarus, of find your bliss. Um, you know, whatever that word means to you uh, as action through life. Uh, you're, the truth is, is I don't think that anyone should really think of life as bliss or find your happiness or find your truth. You know, whatever those catch words mean because ultimately life is about the gamut of experience the failures and the sorrows and the you know streaks of depression and sadness and loss and grieving in addition to all those positive emotions that you have and so if your goal is just to find this ultimate positive you will forever fail in that pursuit you have to accept that life comes with pain and loss and regret and so accepting all of that together bundled that is a more realistic end goal you know just being human that's how i see it um you're right william 
Can't argue with that. He said it himself, so it must be true. Uh, <laughs> and he has all the best words. So, <laughs> Anton, you're not the only one. Lots of people do. Lots of people. He's still out there, though. You can, you can find him if you look. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to toss this out as a sort of mental experiment a little bit. If just, you know, think about it. If you haven't in a while or never, uh, it's never too early to start thinking about what your individual endgame would be and how you can get there. The different goals that you're going to have to meet and overcome in the interim till you can get to that end game, and then consider those that you have chosen to love and care about and how the, your end game is going to affect them. Maybe you want to end up alone, but you want to spend you know your time until that point sharing the experience with someone else. Well, at least you need to consider how they're going to react when you decide to cut that cord, right? So um, if you have children, for example, you want to ensure that they understand where you want to end up so that they can then mentally focus on them rather than focus on how to take care of you if you've already taken care of it for them. Um, and ultimately, you know, we have a lot of these aspirations as um, those of us who love science and technology and emerging technologies of what ifs, right? The sort of pseudoscience what ifs at this point of, well, maybe they'll find a way to stop cells from degrading. Or maybe if you freeze your brain, then they can bring you back in a robot body or download you, you know, like Elon Musk is doing with the Neuralink into a computer simulation. And then you can just continue existing that way. Well, okay. You know, a lot of this stuff is uh, sort of on the verge of technology. I always like being a realist when it comes to those types of ideas. Deal with what's existing and then keep your eye on the emerging. That's just how I operate. I live in the reality of life, not in the what ifs. Um, I like to consider the what ifs because they're fun, but the reality is where we exist. And so uh, I find it much more comfortable kicking the tires here. Um, and that's kind of all I had. Uh, so uh, Laz was saying, to live is to suffer. To survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche. Or Friedrich Nietzsche. I love that. And, and that's there's a lot of truth in that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, guys. Let's do uh, a little Infernal Informant. You know what drives me crazy most is that YouTube is saying I have an excellent connection and yet I'm still seeing a couple drop frame rates from time to time. It kills me. All right. I did actually have an image for that last discussion, but I was so obsessed with <laughs> stupid frame rates that I didn't talk about it. I didn't pull it up. All right. Vietnam vet uh, vets killed during secret Pacific mission get main memorial nearly 60 years later. This is from Fox News. Nearly 60 years ago, dozens of soldiers assembled for a top secret mission to Vietnam, three years before President Lyndon Johnson officially sent U.S. combat troops to the country. They never made it. Their airplane disappeared between Guam and the Philippines, leaving no, uh, no trace ever since. Their families have been fighting to get answers about the mission from the Pentagon. They also want their loved ones to be recognized on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. 
For the families, it's been heart-wrenching that the soldiers were not properly memorialized like others who died in the war. Quote, I do feel frustrated. It's almost as if they never existed as soldiers. It's almost like they don't matter, and their deaths don't matter, said Diana Taylor Crumpler of Olive Branch, Mississippi, whose brother, James Henry Taylor, an Army chaplain, died on the flight. On Saturday, families of more than 20 of the fallen soldiers were on hand for the evening of a memorial in Columbia Falls, Maine, to honor those who perished when the plane disappeared over the Pacific Ocean. Columbia Falls is about 190 miles, or 305 kilometers, northeast of Portland, Maine. Quote, it's incredible, said Donna Ellis of Haslett, Michigan, who was five when her father, Melvin Lewis Hatt, died in the crash. The mission, early in the Vietnam War, is shrouded in mystery. Soldiers from across the country assembled at Travis Air Force Base in California before boarding a propeller-powered Lockheed Super Constellation operated by the Flying Tiger Line, which chartered flights for the U.S. military. The 93 U.S. soldiers, three South Vietnamese and 11 crew members aboard Flight 739, never made it to Saigon. It departed from California and made a refueling stop in Hawaii, Wake Island, and Guam before vanishing on the next leg of the flight to the Philippines on March 16, 1962. There was a reporter of a, a report of a mid-air explosion witnessed by sailors on a tanker in the area, but no debris from the aircraft was ever recovered. The families have spent years seeking answers to no avail. The Freedom of Information Act requests by Ellis and others yielded redacted documents with little useful information about the clandestine mission. It turns into a rat mace, Ellis said. Because their deaths were not in the combat zone, their names were not allowed on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington. Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan, took up the cause and introduced legislation in 2019 to allow the names to be etched on the memorial, but it never made it to the Senate floor. Quote, it is past time that we properly honor those lost. That's why I will choose to work with my colleagues and the families of those lives lost on ways we can honor the service members, Peters said. In Maine, the founders of Wreaths Across America, which places wreaths at Arlington National Cemetery at a veteran grave site around the world, was moved by the story and decided to create a monument. The granite stone has a marble marker with the names on it. The unveiling Saturday featured a reading of the names, a rifle salute, the playing of taps, and the laying of a wreath. Phil Waite of the United States of America Vietnam War commemoration told the group that believes the memorial represents a first step to greater recognition. I think there's more to come, he said. The events provide an opportunity for families to get together and share stories. Quote, this will be a closure for a lot of families, says Susie Linale of Omaha, Nebraska, part of a contingent of six family members, including her sister and brother. They wore buttons with an image of their father, Albert Francis William Jr., who died in the crash. Um, this drives me crazy. The fact that they have to fight to get their service members' names on some form of a memorial when what they were doing was leading into the Vietnam War. Whether it was a secret mission or not, there should be something. Like, the fact that a senator put this out as a legislation in 2019 and it was shot down to even be brought to the floor on a vote is absurd, especially when the majority party in the Senate are the Republicans who claim to honor their service members. Who cares if the war just started after they died? They were going on behalf of the conflict. <laughs> and, 
and, and it takes civilians and it takes veterans to cause a big enough fuss that finally someone starts to pay attention. And yeah, the Vietnam War was a waste of lives. It was a waste of money. It was a waste of resources. It did literally nothing except for murder human beings on all sides. But at least show some fucking respect. You don't have to support the war in order to support the sons and daughters and husbands and wives and grandmothers and grandfathers who fought and died in the conflict on behalf of their country and you. And all these assholes sitting in their House of Representatives or on the Senate floor, the vast majority of which have never seen any type of military service. The vast majority of them. They're just millionaires. They're the ones making the decisions. And this isn't like a cry for patriotism. If you don't think anyone should be uh, recognized for their service in, in, for their country, that's fine. I don't care. That's your opinion, man. <laughs> My opinion is if you put on the uniform, whether it's military service or civic service or, you know, uh, working at a hospital, you are doing something on behalf of your society as a choice. You are serving your community as a choice. And those who are sucking at the teat of that community, who never serve it and just take, take, take like the parasites they are, who feel this sense of ownership of the society that they've never contributed to in any meaningful way, should be worshiping you. They should drop on their knees, prostrate themselves, beg for you to show some sign of acknowledgement that they even exist because they do nothing. And these other people do something. None of this would exist if it wasn't for these other people building it, protecting it, serving it. Leeches, every one of them. You may be one. And that's something that you have to reconcile. It drives me crazy when you enjoy all the benefits of a society and then give nothing back. Nothing except bitching and moaning and complaining. You abuse the infrastructure. You complain about choices that are made, never then actually casting your own ballot in order to change things. I really do think it should be more like a Starship Troopers world that we live in. You have to earn your citizenship. Otherwise, you are literally a second or third class citizen. Period. If you don't contribute to the society, you should not be a member of said society. You would be the illegal. That's a choice you've made. You've decided not to contribute. You've made the conscious decision to be a leech. You, the leeches, don't deserve anything. Except maybe to be pulled off and tossed aside. There's too many of them. 
Uh, thanks, Mike. Let's do this next one before I lose my shit again. I, you know, I, I say this half tongue in cheek. Um, I'm starting to think I might have some PTSD from my military service. This shit affects me like deeply. And I don't know why. I don't know why I suddenly care. Like I can't read a, a Memorial Day or a Veterans Day poem without breaking down and crying. I can't stand and salute the American flag without crying. Like there's something happened in my head at some point that flipped a switch and I don't know what it is. I don't know why I react that way now. I just, I can't help it. it it's like beyond my ability to control. Maybe it's, maybe I've just been brainwashed. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It, it bugs me. It really, really bothers me. All right, let's do this next one. Oh, this is a bit of fun. Space Force Commander fired after comments made on conservative podcast. This is from CNN. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew... Lomir, I hope I said that right, joined the Steve Gruber show to discuss his new book, Irresistible Revolution, Marxist's Goal of Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military, which alleges that Marxist ideologies are becoming widespread within the armed forces. He expounded on those concerns in the podcast. Quote, since taking command as a commander about 10 months ago, I saw what I consider fundamentally incompatible and competing narratives of what America was, is, and should be, Lomir said. That wasn't just prolific in social media or throughout the country during this past year, but it was spreading through the United States military, and I had recognized those narratives as being Marxist in nature. When pressing on what exactly he meant, Lomir decried the New York Times 1619 Project, a historical look at how slavery formed Americans' institutions as anti-American. Quote, it teaches intensive teaching that I heard at my base that at the time the country ratified the United States Constitution, it codified white supremacy as the law of the land, Lomir said. If you want to disagree with that, then you start being labeled all manner of things, including racist. Lomir did not immediately respond to CNN's request for comment. Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting, Space Operations Command Commander, um, relieved Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lomier of command of the 11th Space Warning Squadron, Buckley Air Force Base, Colorado, May 14th, due to the loss of trust and confidence in his ability to lead, a Defense Department official told CNN. This decision was based on public comments made by Lieutenant Colonel Lomier. In recent podcasts, Lieutenant General Whiting has initiated a command-directed investigation on whether these comments constituted pro, uh, prohibited partisan political activity. That's a mouthful. Another defense official said the investigation would also look at all the elements of rules and policy by which the book was published. It's not clear whether Lomir consulted his chain of command before publishing. A blurb about the book on Amazon described it as a timely and bold contribution from an active duty Space Force lieutenant colonel who sees the impact of a new Marxist agenda at the ground level with our armed forces. All right, couple things that I, that was the article. Um, couple things that I think are really funny. First and foremost, this is why we need free speech. This is exactly why we need free speech. So that we can find out who the insane racists are and get them the fuck out of uh, positions of authority. It's that simple. You should not have a worldview that one ethnicity is superior to others simply because you are that ethnicity. Like that is a dangerous 
framework to start from and then make a career out of. Second, especially in an institution that's supposed to be protecting all of ethnicities and is encompassed by all ethnicities. Okay, so the second part. I don't think he knows what Marxism is. I'd be willing to bet most people don't know what it is. And arguably, I may not know the full extent of what it is. Even Marxists don't agree to the full extent of what it means. But ultimately, it's a philosophy that tries to explain why we are the way we are. And that's it. It's not a way of life moving forward. It's saying that we're the way we are. We make decisions as a culture the way we are because we're so focused on materialism. That's why we are the way we are. That's it. That's all it is at its core. There's different groups that try to apply different, you know, action to that. But at its core, it's just focusing on the dangers of materialism. And you can't be a rational thinking human and not see that there's capitalism and then there's Marxism. One wants to live and die by consumption of products and the making of products. And one sees that as a potential problem. If you can't see that that is a rational option, like, yeah, consuming and basing your entire life on creating items and then consuming and disposing of those items, i.e. capitalism, if you can't see that that could be problematic, not necessarily that it is or that it's not the greatest thing in the world, or you just have to be able to accept that, yeah, that is an idea. Okay. That in and of itself is not a bad thing. Having various views on a specific topic, being able to walk and chew bubblegum, is not a bad thing. So you can agree that, yeah, maybe we consume too much. Does that make you a Marxist? I suppose it depends on who's the one blaming it or, 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 you know, tagging you with it. But the truth is, is we do consume too much. You can't not think that. That is just a reality. Our entire world is based on creating items, consuming items, and disposing of items so that we can then create and consume more. That's how we have decided to live our existence as human beings. From the beginning. We didn't know, I say from the beginning, we didn't always live like that. From the industrial revolution onward, we started living like that. Before, it was very localized, little communities, towns, tribes, however you want to refer to it, subsisting amongst themselves, little communities. Uh, and you go back further and it was even smaller little groups like that. And then, you know, sometimes those groups would band together as empires and try to have, you know, some sort of control over different domains of, of land. But the truth is, is it always broke down into smaller groups subsisting amongst themselves. We now live in a global economy of just consuming and consuming and disposing and disposing. If you can't step away from that for a second and see the flaws in it, then you're just not thinking. Now, I'm not saying I have any better plans or ideas because I do genuinely love capitalism. It, it allows us to rise in our current world to a level of um, comfort that you couldn't if you don't play the capitalist game. That's just the reality of our world. Now, you could always step outside of society and subsist on your own, and that's an option. But most people don't want to do that. So, um, let's see. Yeah, someone explained the Starship Trooper world to you. Never. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going back there. Let's see. 
Marxism touches on the structures of society from a human perspective, invoking a wild hive mind reference frame on reality. Capitalism looks at the other end of the spectrum, viewing interactions. Yeah, I, and, and the thing is, is like, I'm not trying to champion one over the other or anything, but as a human being, especially as a Satanist, we're supposed to be able to objectively examine a perspective and then find the uncomfortable third side to it that would then apply to us as individuals. If you just flippantly dismiss it because you've been taught to flippantly dismiss it, well, then you're never examining anything and you're not actually a critical thinking human at all. You're another lemming. You're another herd member. So as Satanists, we should look into these things. Okay, so that's the second thing. Um, <laughs> the third thing is, uh, this is not isolated to this lieutenant colonel. I met a lot of white supremacists when I was serving our country. Our country. I was serving in the U.S. military. I met a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, it is not the rare thing. I'm not even going to go so far as to say it's a negative thing. I'm just saying it's a thing. All right. You can think that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread simply because you're an ethnicity. That's not so far removed from Satanists thinking that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread simply because they identify with a specific religion. And if you think that there is a huge separation there, again, I don't think you're critically examining this right, like thoroughly. We believe we are the highest embodiment of human life. Our own gods, the alien elite. Because, because we focus on ourselves and we don't try to tamp down others, it does make a big difference. I will say that. It makes a huge difference. But the concept is not entirely different. All right. So I'm just putting that out there. I'm just going to set that right there. And just let everyone take a gander at it. Because it's there. Um, the, I think the Space Force personally is wildly unnecessary. The Air Force is already doing all that. Um, that was just Trump trying to flex his, his muscles. Fine, it exists now. Okay, let, let's move forward with it. Um, because you may have ideas that you believe are well, that others believe are racist does not mean you're an ineffective leader of men it really doesn't again we have to compartmentalize these things um in the same way that you may be a, a trans female serving in the u.s military does not mean that you would not then protect someone who is bigoted towards you know or transphobic you're a soldier you're going to do your job that's the most important part of this all. The individual in the military is tamped down. You're operating as a part of a cog. You're, you're one cog of a larger machine that you are operating as. You're not thinking as an individual. You're thinking as the mission, as the goal. That's it. So the individual can be a wild racist and I wouldn't care because they're still going to protect. They're going to have my back on the battlefield. Just like I'm going to have theirs, knowing that they're a wild racist. I don't like the way they think, but it's a brother in arm in arms and I'm going to protect them and they're going to protect me. And that's how it works. That's why we're so successful is we can separate the things. Um, on the other side, uh, I did want to throw this idea out here. He brings up this idea that um, 
oh, where is, I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, the time the country ratified the United States Constitution, it codified white supremacy as the law of the land. The way he says it in this statement, it seems like he is referencing that's what others are saying. But then he goes on to say that if you disagree with it, then you're being labeled as racist. But that doesn't make sense because it's the people that would believe that that would be the racists. So this, the whole statement is confusing to me. He's saying it as if he's saying other people believe it. And then third parties looking at other people, I don't, it, it's confusing. So if he said that and he believes it, or whoever said that and believes it, they're wildly misinformed. Yes, America was founded on slavery. You cannot disagree with that. That is how we became an economic powerhouse and we could repay all of those loans that we took out of, um, on from uh, different countries. The only reason why we existed as a country was because of France. If it wasn't for France, we would have been squashed by the English. And then France is investing in us and Spain's investment in us allowed us to continue. And the only way that we could pay that back or have any type of economic power was on the back of slavery. And the Southern states did it beautifully. Now, I think that is a negative. But the truth is, is that's how we existed and formed as a union. They didn't bring it up in the Constitution at all. So you can't say that they codified white supremacy or racism in it. They just didn't bring it up. And they didn't bring it up specifically because they couldn't get all of the different um, uh, states in order to become a part of the union if they did include it. Because southern states relied on slavery for their economy. Without it, they would not have existed. And so if we put that in the U.S. Constitution, then they would not have joined the U.S. Constitution and there wouldn't have been a union in the first place. That's just the reality of it. All right, I'm getting buffering at saying. <sighs> I'm so frustrated by this. I cannot explain this. So frustrated. Um, <laughs> Cameron, I will not. Thanks for joining live, by the way. I will definitely not forget uh, the genocide of the indigenous peoples. Um, but again, <laughs> manifest destiny. <laughs> that was <laughs> a real thing that all white people believed in. Because <laughs> we were taught to believe in it. Um, racism, however, was not something that was taught to all white people. It was... <laughs> It was very much secluded to the majority of white people. <laughs> I laugh at the futility of it, not at the reality of it. Um, it it's frustrating because we, we reflect on our history with these sort of rose-colored goggles, <laughs> glasses. But the truth is so much worse. It's so much worse. And we should not be punishing ourselves today because of the actions of our ancestors or others' ancestors, or ancestors of different ethnicities. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be suffering or, or feeling bad about it, because we didn't do it. But we have to acknowledge the truth of it. We have to see it for what it actually was, because that's reality. We have to live on reality's terms. 
claiming that a race's superior or inferior abilities should be entirely relegated to biological sciences. If you don't have replicable evidence, you don't have shite. So true. So very, very true. And they faked that too, though. I mean, to be honest, there was a lot of doctors and scientists who had proof, you know, of uh, different ethnicities' inferiority. Just like uh, there was scientific proof that uh, there's no uh, cancer-causing agents in cigarettes. Or there's scientific proof that there's no global climate crisis. I mean, you come up with... If you have a will, you will come up with a way of refuting scientifically um, any information. So. Well, James... Let's let's not be let's not be uh, solipsistic about this, um, and think that simply because we supposedly got rid of slavery that no one else has slavery either. No, the truth is slavery is going on right now in this country and around the world. It is not a thing of the past. It is active right now. It is mostly economic slavery. I did a whole show on it. You should look it up on my YouTube channel. It's it's there, um, but it's real. And it has not gone away. Um, so we just can't pretend like, like it's not a thing. And just because someone is referencing it, we should not shut them down or silence them or squash them or call them racists because they're pointing out a reality of our history. As long as that reality is based in fact, not in dogmatic fantasy. Um... I don't know of any truth behind that. And I actually have a lot of people with different avenues of knowledge that don't think that that's true, Justin. So I don't want to jump on that bandwagon because I'm not convinced that that's true. Uh, that being said, let's do a little uh, creature feature. Okay. I want to make sure I'm, I'm being clear here. Um, I'm not, when I'm, when I'm referencing what people are saying in the chat, I'm not like attacking you as a person. I'm just taking the ideas that you threw up and sort of spitting it into a narrative. That's all. So don't, don't feel like I'm, I'm like, you know, attacking you at all. Cause I'm, I'm really not. Um, I want to talk about national parks for a second because it it's, I think it's a hallmark of a healthy society, uh, one of many, that you can try to respect the land that you're taking advantage of. We'll say it like that. Especially out here in the West, we have so much land that is set aside for the enjoyment of the um, population of this country um, because of the splendor that it, I, it, it's an incredibly important um, system that's set up and it's one that as a Satanist as someone who sees themselves as an animal who 
who enjoys being in nature itself, I'm very appreciative that this exists. So I want to talk a little bit about its history um, and then just talk a little bit about my experience here. So this is from the nationalparkservice.gov website. Uh, it stemmed from the desire to protect special places for visitors' present and future enjoyment. Since Yellowstone was designated in 1872, the concept of what constitutes a national park has expanded significantly. The original focus on natural wonders has evolved to include sites that chronicle human history, educate, and elevate the quality of life. The grandeur of the American West inspired the idea of national parks. There, vast landscapes, still untouched by development, filled the eye. Artists, authors, and scientists struggled to capture the beauty they encountered and to record and share their discoveries, but they worried. What would happen when westward expansion arrived on the doorstep of the wilderness? Artist George Catlin, during an 1832 trip to the Dakotas, was perhaps the, civil, uh, the first to suggest a novel solution to this fast-approaching reality. Indian civilization, wildlife, and wilderness were all in danger, wrote Catlin, unless they could be preserved by some great protecting policy of government in a magnificent park, a nation's park, containing man and beast in all the wild and freshness of their nature's beauty. Encouraged by art, literature, and science, a powerful preservationist viewpoint gradually emerged. Even without a national policy or one designated agency, individual sites won protection. In 1861, Congress appointed Ferdinand Hayden, head of the government's new geological survey, to lead a fact-finding expedition on the region at the headwaters of the Yellowstone River. The area situated in the Montana and Wyoming territories had been an attraction for explorers, trappers, and prospectors since the late 18th century. There were numerous accounts of its strange features, geysers, hot springs, and holes of bubbling mud, but it was not until Hayden's team of geologists, botanists, and zoologists returned from their trip that the U.S. government had a full account of the area's wonders. Hayden strongly advocated for settling the Yellowstone region aside as a national park, and it did not take long for him to convince Congress. Congress approved the legislation in early 1872, and on March 1st of that year, President Grant signed the bill designating 2.2 million acres of land as a public park or pleasuring ground <laughs> phrasing uh, for the benefit and enjoyment of the people. The second section of the bill gave the Secretary of the Interior responsibility for the preservation from injury or spoilation of all timber, mineral deposits, national curiosities, or wonders within said park, and their retention in the national, uh, natural condition. The Forest Reserve Act of 1891 allowed presidents to proclaim permanent forest reserves on publicly owned land, legislation that led to national forests. The Antiquities Act of 1906 gave presidents authority to protect sites of historical significance as national monuments. Congress also authorized the preservation of four major Civil War battlefields during this era, designated them as the National Military Parks. Other parks followed. Sequoia, 1890, Mount Rainier, 1899, Crater Lake, 1902, and Yosemite, 1890. Over time, the federal government established policies on the preservation of natural resources. Laws and presidential decrees, however, did not solve real-world administrative problems. So now we need to get to a phase of a little bit of over oversight 
as necessary. While some of the national monuments reserved under the 1906 Antiquities Act were located in areas controlled by the Department of the Interior, others were on land supervised by the Department of War, or the Department of Agriculture, with responsibility divided among several departments who would make the rules, and could they possibly be consistent? The problem was no single federal agency had the authority to operate and advocate for these parks and monuments. Individual sites received uneven attention and minimal federal support. And what you end up with is places like um, uh, one Bears uh, Ear Monument down south here in Utah, I believe it's called, uh, where natural gas corporations want to drill there. And Trump's administration says, go for it. And then uh, that's immediately stifled by uh, Biden's administration coming in. The reason why they're protected is because there's some significance about the location, either in its national, uh, I'm sorry, natural grandeur or its indigenous histories. And you have to respect those locations that have been previously set aside because there's a reason why they were set aside. Simply because we come in after the fact and say, hey, we need a little more national uh, natural gas uh, because we're just refusing to move on from... Uh, uh, um... <sighs> my mind is on my buffering, I'm sorry. Um, we refuse to move on from uh, natural resources to fuel our economy is a piss-poor reason to destroy these areas. And that's what we're doing. We're destroying them. If you just take one vacation and just spend it in a national, nat uh, national park, you'll understand if you've never done it before. You'll understand. You'll, you'll just stare at the, the view of the land in front of you and be completely awed and humbled about being a tiny little human, just one of billions in all of history, that in this very moment has the random chaotic experience of being able to appreciate where we are, what we're seeing. You can do this every single day, walking to any you know city park or uh, art museum or, or going to the library. But natural parks, uh, national parks are huge. You can wander around for days and never see another human being, or you could be in uh, queues of humans waiting to see the next you know exciting thing like this, um, old faithful here, surrounded by other humans waiting for this geyser to just explode into the sky just like i did so i'm going to show you a little video of that really six feet <laughs> it 
I had to go to a wider angle lens view in order to see how high it actually went up. Uh, as you can see me, you know, switching between closer and, and wider lenses. Yeah, just the time. That's great. And it doesn't really impact you, the, the scope of it, unless you're standing there. But it's beautiful, and it's immense, and it happens on a regular basis. And I can't help but look at it and reflect on what early explorers and mountain men and indigenous peoples thought of when they ran across places like this and saw this sort of natural wonder. I don't know. I think it's beautiful. I think it's it's very interesting. I, I threw up a whole gallery. There's not a whole bunch of pictures. I only showed a, a few of them on my website um, of some photos I took when I, I, I was there with my family this past weekend. But I feel more human in nature. And there's, I can't ignore the, a fair amount of irony in that because I enjoy and I share it with all of the technologies of my industrial revolution human brothers and sisters. But the truth is, is you reset your clock if you just go camping one night to look at the sky and actually see the Milky Way blows my mind to walk out into the wilderness and have the entire road shut down because bison just want to walk across the street and you just sitting there staring at these magnificent beasts as they're just living their lives and we're getting in the way because you just want to stare at them or the, 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 the massive amounts of elk or, or bears or everything else that's out there that you just sort of stumble across. And you're just sort of shocked and stunned that it's, it's just right there in front of you. It's always been there. We are the ones that have removed ourselves from what has always and will always be there. We take vacations to go experience reality. Think about that for a second. It's crazy. We lock ourselves in these, these airtight containers and then pump in cool air so that we feel okay so that we can just digitally connect with each other. Meanwhile, there's a whole world out there that we are actually intimately, genetically tied to. That we then, from time to time, when we can break away from our schedule, go and visit for a few photos. But that's real life! This is stuff that we just made up! <laughs> we literally just made all of this stuff up! It, I, I just can't, I can't grasp this idea. And so whenever I meet other Satanists who are just like, no, I can't stand going out into the wilderness. How are you a Satanist? <laughs> I understand that's solipsistic of me. How, how can you possibly See yourself as a human animal and not desperately want to be in nature or feel alive, infused with vigor when you are in nature. That's our natural state. I don't know. The, the whole concept just baffles me. And yet, 
you're there. You're out there. I know you are. Um, and whatever, you know, do your thing. I don't care. I love being in nature. And if I can escape to a national park, holy sweet hell, is it amazing. And I absolutely adore it. And I'll bring back any type of imagery I can to share it with you because it is truly beautiful. And you never get the, 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 the impact or the scope looking at photos or video. It could be because honestly, you know, depending on your lens, depending on the quality of the technology, you're just not going to have that sense of awe uh, and wonder that you do when you're literally standing and you can feel the uh, mud squishing underneath your feet or the, the branches brushing against your shoulders or the plumes of smoke encircling you and your family as you stand on this seemingly alien landscape. It's, it's amazing. Like the full extent of the word. It's amazing. And it's all there. Everywhere. <laughs> and yet we choose to live in concrete boxes. What's more crazy than that? I don't know. I agree, Ferris. Hail nature. All right, that's all I had for this. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that was the show. I apologize about the drop frame rates. I don't know what's going on. I'll continue to try to work out the kinks or whatever, but... I'm starting to think maybe there's a conspiracy. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed the show. You can view uh, all the episodes of any of the past Nine Cents episodes or any other satanic series I produce on my website, RevanCampbell.com, or right here on this YouTube channel. So subscribe to the channel. If you like this video, like it and share it out. Maybe other people will like it too. You can also uh, sign up to my email list if you want to get alerted about new shows, what I'm going to be talking about and who I'm going to be speaking with. Sometimes I do have guests on or co-hosts. And uh, if you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com and read the Satanic Bible. And if you've read it in the past, read it again. As you age, as you develop your cognitive skills, you're... every time I say the word skills, I think of Napoleon Dynamite. I can't help it. Nunchuck skills, computer hacking skills. Anyway, um, as you grow, you come to different understandings of the same content. And that's the beauty of Satanism is because it will continually speak to your human condition. And as you grow, it reveals new meanings to you. So don't just read it once and feel like you're done. Go back to it. Study. Don't worship. Thank you guys again. Have a fantastic week. I'm going to try to get a reading in here someday, maybe tomorrow. Until next time, hail Satan.